0: That's what they called gonorrhea back in the day, was the
1: clout.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
2: You're listening to Sapnin' Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to episode 99 of of Sapnin' Podcast (laughs) with Sean Smith and my good friend and obvious hype man from what he's just done there, (laughs) Morgan Richards.
1: Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And not only will Uh. this episode open your eyes to a spokesman of our scene but kick off a whole celebratory period for us as 99 Red oh, Balloons I knew
2: you were going go 99 Red Balloons and I ate I, ate, oh, <laughs> I, I can't to. believe you've gone for it <laughs> you didn't have to think i right this is the thing this week's guest <laughs> is the very very awesome the very very caffeinated John Feldman producer singer frontman multi-instrumentalist life coach And he has a back catalogue of songs that you could choose loads and loads from. And you chose 99 Red Balloons.
1: Yeah, I know it was a cover, but it's on 99th episode, Sean. So it kind of fits in. And they were celebrating. You need balloons to celebrate. It's a key factor in any (laughs) party.
2: (laughs) Do you need balloons? I've been to birthday parties right before now that have been amazing. And I promise you there wasn't a balloon there. Could
1: have been better with a balloon, though. Would they? Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> yes. yes, our guest this week is producing Superman, Goldfinger icon, and musical mastermind, Mr. John Feldman. And this, Sean... Is quite a big deal because he doesn't just waste his time on anybody. He's such a busy man. He's got a hell of a schedule, writing songs, making records and drinking coffee every single day. But we've got over an hour with him to look back at his career, some of the most iconic records he's worked with, written, produced and just so many amazing things. So basically, he's had a whole influence over a generation of music fans, not just with Goldfinger impacting an army of ska punk skaters and mosh maniacs, but being behind the scenes with so many of our favorite records. Correct, absolutely correct. Do you want me to read out just some, just some mind of the no. artists he's produced?
2: No, thank you. No. Ah, oh, go on then.
1: No, okay. On. Well, it's the likes of Blink 182, <laughs> the Used. them. Good Charlotte what? Oh. Story of the Year No way All time low I can't carry on doing this Panic At the Disco Panic At the Disco Five Seconds of Summer Papa Roach Black Veil Brides Fever Three, 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 Hilary Duff And even Ashley Simpson Well uh,
2: Surely Raiders are the only people he hasn't worked with yet <laughs> Get in touch John um, Yeah what an unbelievable chat What a fantastic fella. And um, yes, he promised us a look at Travis Barker's house from his house as well. Yeah. Which was very, very interesting. Literally. Um, So
1: we're just going to get an insight into his day-to-day schedule, his best friend, Travis Barker, his whole induction into the kind of punk, discography, how he discovered the used and his relationship with Bert. The early days, evolution of just literally everything. How his father impacted his life. A potential new record for Goldfinger. Addiction, coffee drinking, and so Jesus much more. Christ. It's just, it's full. It's full of little antidotes. Sean. It's I know it was literally it. mind-blowing. Yeah, but I'm just excited. I'm excited. I'm excited about this one. I can see it. I think people are going to be, and it's going to be a whale of a time.
2: Yes, as Morgan said, this man has um, done so much and as I bet you he's produced some bands you you wouldn't even have guessed as well. So, um, yeah, and I did ask him, is he sick of Travis Barker turning up these his house <laughs> all the time? So, may as well stick around for that, innit? Um, but yeah, thank you again to John and um, his people for sorting this out. Uh, it was very, very... Fun to do and very, very interesting.
1: And just to say as well, since we've recorded this, Goldfinger have actually released a new single titled Warflower that's available on all streaming platforms now. So listen to the at the end of this episode. Thank you very much. Um after we, this episode. But we do get in to some potential exclusive news on more music in this chat so don't go anywhere because we've got all the gossip, all the caffeine and all the good times
2: Yes, and uh yeah if you've enjoyed uh, any any of these episodes so far let us know or if you've got any ideas for guests or what who you want to hear or what you want to hear about, you know it doesn't have to be about being in a band, it could be working for a band, it could, well, it could be anything, it could be a comedian, anything. If you have any ideas whatsoever and you want to get in touch with us, get in touch with us on Instagram or Twitter at Sappening Pod, that's S, at S A P P E N I N P O D, that's at S A P P E N I N P O
1: D. And if you've enjoyed 99, how have we reached 99? That's, this is literally the last double-digit episode we will ever do. That's weird. To is s- it? it? Well, yeah, because that's how numbers well, yeah, work. It is.
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, maths. Yeah. Um, I had an E in maths.
1: Oh, sorry. I was just going to tell so, people... It's like. No, if, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I know, but yeah. I was just going to tell people if they've enjoyed like all the mad rambles and guests we've had, maybe they should check out patreon.com forward slash sapnin, where they can get involved with a wonderful community of members we love very, very much and get even more bonus content and get to be El Craybe. I've done that wrong. Crazy in Spanish with us. <laughs>
2: what did you say? El not- El, what, what is it? I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're on about. What is this? What? patreon.com patreon.com <laughs> that's happening we are going mad Um yeah check this out this is John Feldman thank you very much to John again this is fucking brilliant
1: yes it's happening it's happening what's happening. happening what's what's happening oh he's gone for, oh he's gone I'll for the uh, full I'll version full
2: version yes um yes this week's guest is a uh, singer songwriter a and person producer podcaster father is there anything else i've missed out there john Caffe- <laughs> caffeine enthusiast
0: yeah a caffeine addict for sure yes snap <laughs> I've, I've got that as well <laughs> I got my dog. My dog's here as well. Oh wow! Chilling, even better. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. all going on. Yeah, mochi, yes. mochi is, is licking my face. <laughs> <laughs> We're all here. Everyone's here. Ready to go.
2: Yes, this week's guest is the amazing John Feldman. Um,
0: yes, how are you? How are um? How are things? I'm really good. I mean, yeah, things are good. I got up, I worked out on the elliptical already. Um, I, t- I took my dogs out. I, uh, I mean, I've had, I've had a day already. I'm thinking about what song I'm going to write today. It's a good day. That's awesome. awesome. That's really, really good to you. And yeah,
2: it's nice to see you in a positive, in a positive mood. Cause we got so many <laughs> people on here lately who have been like, uh, I'm not really up to much. I'm kind of losing the creativity because of the lockdown or whatever. Um, have you felt any of that? Has that been a part for you at all, or is it just all go?
0: You know we can either live in covid uh in the lockdown with a with a good attitude or we can live it in a bad attitude i mean it's really up to you it's 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 not up to anybody else you know what what can we control we can't We can't control anything outside of our own like Little, like they say, the hula hoop that surrounds us. It's <laughs> like, but I can control my own attitude, right? And like HR says, you know, positive me- mental attitude is the only way. I mean there's no other way to go. I don't want to be sitting in my house with some just fucking complaining about the government and politics and the state of the world. It's just like I want to keep moving forward. I have I have kids. I've got I've got my dogs. I've got my wife. It's just like I I there's no other way for me. Like when that negativity creeps in, I have to go work out. I have to go meditate. I cannot sit in that negative space any longer. Life is so fucking short and i'm not saying don't protest i'm not saying don't be angry Mm. i'm just saying like sitting around complaining and being miserable and not doing anything about it is not the answer for me nice nice yes what a great answer
1: yeah, well to start, one thing I wanted to get in straight away is that we've been told by so many other bands that we've had on the podcast who have worked with you and just in general that you're such a busy man all the time. I mean, every year there's countless John Feldman produced records, touring with Goldfinger as much as you can. But like, what is a day-to-day what is your day to day schedule normally like on an average day for John Feldman? I mean I mean, walk us through it.
0: Okay. I get up at um Six thirty. uh i'm I, I meditate i pray to whatever i don't know what i pray to <laughs> to be honest I, I was i mean it's it is a, it's an interesting thing because it's not a religious thing but i do believe that there is i mean you know if 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 all the smartest people that have ever existed believe you know if if stephen hawkins believed in 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 big vast laws governing the universe that's holding everything together, why would I think it's just all random nonsense that means nothing, that came from nothing and leads to nothing? why would i believe that if einstein believed in these you know incredible powers that we don't understand that they exist why wouldn't i and so whatever i pray to i mean i i i I, you know i pray to keep me sober i'm sober a long time and i do not want to end up at a donkey show in tijuana (laughs) with some random mexican dude's tongue in my ear which is exactly kind of where i ended up towards the end of my drinking so you know whatever it is that kind of holds us whatever holds us into place and keeps gravity existing i'm going to pray to that um i work out every day i mean there's never an exception whether i'm running with my dogs whether i'm boxing with um glenn holmes from um manchester who's my my boxing coach uh i um you know i i have an elliptical at my house i do some sort of physical exercise today i'm i'm actually playing tennis with michael clifford who's staying in my community from from five sauce you know he's my boy So I've got that going on. I'm going to write a song, you know, Travis Barker lives maybe a stone's throw away from my house. I can literally see his house from my house up on nice. the hill. Um maybe I'll show you later on in this thing and uh <laughs> and so he'll he'll come over, you know, we'll write something. He's always working with um someone that's kind of outside of my world like he's working with Trippy Red, um horror, you know, that H09909 group. He's working with um He's working with poor Stacy, like all these artists that I, I don't normally come into my existence, so I'll maybe come up with a riff and then he'll like put put down like some kind of beat or he'll come up with a, a rhythm and then I'll write a little riff around it. You know, I'm working, I, I, I'm working with uh, this band called Five North right now, this guy Tyler Posey. I don't know if you know, he's an actor. He was in that Teen Wolf show, he was in Jane the Virgin. He's a really good man and his band Five North, we've got signed to my label, so I'm finishing his album. And then um, I'll take out, like last night, I took out my daughter for dinner. We had like a little daddy-daughter date. It was amazing. Um, And then uh, I'll listen to a bunch of mixes, like that, my engineers have prepared a bunch of mixes for me. I'll go through them and make a bunch of tweaks at the end of the night, and I'll kind of finish up some mixes and then do it all again the next day. Cheers. (laughs) Thanks for
1: having
2: me. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That is, um, yeah, that's a lot going on. yeah, quick question. Uh, do you ever get sick of Travis coming over? Because <laughs> <Is it? laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't imagine any musician ever going. Oh, come on, Trav! no more drums, Jesus Christ! But yeah, uh, that's uh, I mean, awesome. Yeah, you
0: look, at, if you you know, in the big picture. In the big picture of, of, of musicians. I mean, I, I don't think I've worked with a better, a better, I mean, look, I, I mean, I, I produced Panic of the Disco's third album and, you know, maybe between Patrick Stump and Brendan Urie, I don't know of uh, that I've worked with better, better singers. I mean, there's, I mean, look, Ryan from the hunt is incredible. I mean, there's, mm, yeah. you know, Brendan Urie's touched with, touched with something amazing, but I mean, tra- Travis Barker, like this all around, I mean, there's, I, I would have been a drummer if I didn't smoke so much weed in high school. I was just too fucking, I was too lazy to carry yeah. the drum kit around. I was like stoned fucking all the time. And so because of that, I became a singer. I didn't have to bring anything. The the the, the PA already existed. So no, nothing, no gear, lo, nothing, none of that shit. So, tra- I mean, Travis is like, um, I mean, I, I, he's not human. And, and I, I think he's the, the best drummer that's ever lived. I mean, Neil, you know, Neil pert is, is like, you know, technically, you know, when, when I was growing up, I loved, loved, I loved smoking weed and listening to rush <laughs> and taking acid and listening to rush and all the, you know, I mean, YYZ is one of those, you know, Bad and you know, all those rhythms were so interesting, but like, he was kind of, um, you know, Travis can do all the technical stuff. I mean, he can do all that progressive, like, I mean, we had the song yesterday that was kind of like, um, deftones meets tool kind of crazy. And he, we had this bridge that he just, um, he just fucking smashed it one take. And I was like, holy fuck. It was just so incredible. And he can do hip hop, like nobody, nobody. I mean, he can do hip hop like nobody. And obviously like, look, Bill Stevenson, you know, is, is, is arguably the the greatest punk rock drummer of, of, of all time. Other than Travis Barker. I mean, Travis Barker is the greatest punk rock drummer of all time. I mean, nobody, you know, I mean, obviously Travis has a huge Descendants tattoo on his leg and he's a, you know, massive, or maybe it's on his stomach. I don't know. Next time he's naked at my house, I'll, 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 I'll check it out, you know? Um, but I mean, everyone comes from something and it's like, Travis can just do everything better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I,
2: yeah, I brought that up because, um, yeah, we spoke to Ryan from the Hunter um, a couple of weeks ago and he was just saying out like he was just sitting in the studio and then you were like oh yeah Pete Wentz is going to turn up and he was like what the fuck like ah what and he was just yeah he was just mind blown by it is it um does that happen a lot with the uh, the Feldman recording process is there
0: constantly people nipping in and out I mean I like to I don't know. I like to be with good people. I like to be with positive people. And I like to be with people that can add something to the creative process. And Pete Wentz is one of a kind when it comes to lyrics. That kid is one of a kind. I mean, he is so unique and he's just so studied and he's so well read. You know, him and Mark Hoppus actually are very similar in the way that they kind of write lyrics. They're very... um, just professional and serious (laughs) about the way they write their lyrics it's like and i'm 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 not like that i i either get inspired by a lyric that i write or it's just takes fucking forever and those guys are like they'll have books and they'll go on the uh, on the um, internet and they'll just be like you know what um it's my wife amy just came in (laughs) she's uh uh, she brought me my breakfast like lucky me how lucky am i um I just knew that Pete would really get along with the Hana. I just, you know, I, I feel like I, I can connect people in ways that maybe others, others can't just be, I mean, because look, I'm 53. I've been doing this since I was 12. I, I, I've, I've met countless people throughout my journey and I feel like, you know, there was a moment during making the Hunter record, I was like, you know what, there, there could be a moment. You know, there was a moment that I was like, Pete could really help with this song. And, you know, bringing him in, in was the right thing to do. Same with Travis on the Hunter, on the Hunter record. I mean, he just brought, you know, Travis really brings songs to life. You know, when, when you're kind of like stuck and you know, you've got a really great hook, but whatever programming that I've done for, you know the drums or the beat just don't lift it like Travis just brings it to life and um you know I, I feel like everyone that i bring into albums is like there's there's a reason for it. you know there's a band that i signed called the fame from yeah. uh from perth australia that uh that i just got i love those guys and um yeah we, you know i knew that ashton you you had them on the show yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. we have yeah yeah they t- yeah, they talk very highly of you.
0: Oh, yeah. nice. I knew Ashton uh, from Five Sauce could really, I mean, just his style. And I knew that because they were both from Australia, that they shared this kind of common, the, all these common roots. And so bringing him in was like very, I mean, it, 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 it's not like I'm analyzing it and, like, <laughs> and crunching the numbers to think, how can these help? I just have a gut feeling that this will be a good connection, you know, with most of these artists that I bring in to kind of help these younger bands
1: yeah yeah oh it's absolutely phenomenal but um you you mentioned there your journey and i think it's safe to say that it's been such a creative one all these years from working with all these bands goldfinger and everything but if we can take a step back how did everything really first start because as you said you've been doing this for years you're a member of bands before goldfinger how did it transition into becoming just what everything is today
0: I, I was thinking earlier that when we first started talking that I wonder how driven I would be if I was really supported by my parents. I mean, my mom was sort of, um, she was just kind of there. My dad had polio, so he was in a wheelchair. So my dad was, my, my mom was pretty much a caretaker for my dad and my dad was a, a nuclear physicist. So he, he built the fuel to put the rocket on the moon, the smartest guy I've ever met. He wow. was an engineer. And so he had all these expectations for me to kind of follow in his footsteps. So when i a, you know when i started showing interest to like playing the guitar and punk rock and playing the bass when i was like 12 you know he was like you are not this is never going to happen for you I, you know and, and he really he just couldn't he couldn't understand that, that this could be a career which is you know i mean he was just you know looking out for me thinking how is this guy going to have a how's this kid going to have a future if if um if, if there's no future in punk rock. I mean, I mean, you know, back then when it was like black flag and the Adolescents and the circle jerks, like none of those bands were making a living. I mean, they, they would play some shows, but they, most, most of them all work jobs, you know, on the side, it wasn't like green day didn't exist. So I can't fault my father for, but, but part of my drive, I think came from proving, from proving him wrong, you know, and needing to prove him wrong. And I think, that drive in me that still exists is there. My my dad's been, you know, he's been dead for, for 10 years, but I still like have this, like, I got to prove it. I got to prove it. And I think part of that started my journey as a kid, but you know, punk rock really spoke to me because I, I didn't get along with my parents. I hated school. You know, I was whenever, you know, we'd go out and, and, and skateboarding or, at parties, cops were always the enemy. We're all, how do we fucking get away from the cops? So this anti-authority kind of mindset that I had. I mean, punk rock was the first thing that I sunk my teeth into. You know, this, you know, this, it was the Sex Pistols and the Clash and all the kind of British bands in the beginning, and then it it was Southern California punk rock when that became the thing. But like I, as a kid, I I knew like there was part of me that had to hide, you know, my love of pop music. I mean, I loved queen i love the who and then like you know pop music like duran duran and mm. even wham like I, I could i knew that the songs were amazing <laughs> but i had to hide my love for it and then like as i got older and i started like expanding my horizons to like metallica and and just like well i remember the first time i heard like the double kick drum when i was probably like 16 when that kind of music came out it was like when thrash became a thing I was like, how do I, so my, I mean, my first band family crisis was straight punk rock. It was like, um, it was like social distortion meets the buzzcocks. And then my second band was called the electric love hogs. And, and we were like, um, I don't know. We were like somewhere between, you know, Metallica, Molly crew and the red Hot chili peppers. We had a slapping <laughs> bass player. And it was just like my love for music in general has never, I've never really been shy to hide it and I've gotten shit about like, you know, be the purists or whatever, but it was like, you know, as it, I think I wouldn't be the producer that I am if I didn't have such a wide spectrum of love of music. And you know, I, 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 punk rock speaks to my soul because it was the first music that I ever really was, you know, became passionate about. But all these other things, like I mean, in the big picture of my life, I can, I can, I can tell you guys that you know, I know, like we took Corn on their the, the Electric Lovebox took Corn on their first tour. We took Tool on their first tour. We took Rage Against the Machine on their first wow. tour. It's wow. like we had the greatest. We had Pearl Jam open for us. We had all these <laughs> amazing things happened first. And I've got relationships with like so many, you know, with the guys in Korn and Tom Morello and all these bands because I, you know, and and Rage Against the Machine that I still have in my life because I had this big spectrum. And, you know, Goldfinger changed my life forever because I went back to my roots and I said, this is the music that really speaks to my heart. And um, when I started Goldfinger in 1993, I just, I knew that that was what Cause in, in, the electric Love hogs, we had five guys that all felt like we were all songwriters and we weren't all songwriters. And, um, and there was the like, guitar solos and I, I never was a fan of the guitar solo. And so it wasn't meant to be, but Goldfinger I knew was going to be my project that I was going to be the sole songwriter, you know? And, um, when I put it together, I just, I remember I sent it. I was, um, you know, we, we played a lot of shows with Weezer and I was friends with, them. Um, with Tom that signed Weezer and I sent him a cassette that had on one side, it had like kind of the extension, like a more kind of rage against the machine. It was a band called eel E E L. And, and, and I had that on one side And on the other side, I had all these gold finger demos and, 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 and I sent it to Tom. I said, I, I'm, you know, what do I do? Do I do this aggressive hard shit or do I, go with my gut and do like more melodic, like, you know, songwriting sense of, and he said, dude, you have to do this Goldfinger thing. This is amazing. And, and having people along the way in your life that can kind of be that guide, I think is so important. And, and like, I may say that, you know, my father wasn't supportive, but he was definitely key. I mean, there's no way I would be as successful as I am without the drive to kind of say the conflict that my dad and I had.
2: Yeah. That's an un- yeah. That's an unbelievable story. That's those just having those other bands support you is It that's insane. That's absolutely insane. Um, yeah. How did you come from from Goldfinger to producing other bands? Then what 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 made that what what made that come about?
0: You know, it's just it's the fucking control freak in me. Like I <laughs> I just I had you know when I was making Goldfinger's first record, I just I had to understand why. You know, why these things, like, why did I love the snare sound on the Let's Go Rancid record? You know, why Why did I love the way Eddie Vedder's vocals sounded on 10? You know, all these things that like I would, you know, kind of a collection of the things I love, like the bass tone on You Say You Don't Love Me by the Buzzcocks. Like there are certain things that throughout my life I'd always been attracted to, like when I listened to music you know, cause I was a bass player in the beginning, you know, that's how I started playing. And so when I was learning playing the bass on, uh, to the buzzcocks, you know, I, I eventually found out it's the kick drum and the bass drum land on this at the same moment, you know, and having that like rhythm, this like, you know, that whole thing is like, that's what drove me to really want to learn the bass because it like, it held the whole bottom end. And so, when I was in the studio making Goldfinger, I mean, I, I, was, I didn't really care that much in the Electric Love Hogs. Although, I want to say this guy, Mark Dodson, and also you know, Tommy Lee produced that record for Motley Crue. And, uh, you know, I would have, you know, I remember eventually Mark Dodson, who at the time, he produced Suicidal Tendencies, which was our favorite band. And we're like, we got to have this guy produce our record, Infectious Grooves. This guy was a legend. And so I remember one day I I came in the studio and I'm like, I've got notes for the mix and Mark Dodson said, You can't come in the studio. Just (laughs) give me the notes because I was so annoying. So I had like, I literally had to write down four pages of notes for the poor guy. I feel so bad even to this day that he had to put up with my craziness. But by the time I made Goldfinger's first record, I really wanted to be involved with the whole process, like setting up the mics and moving the mic around the amp, you know, to find the sweet spot on the cone and like, what kind of tape were we using and all that shit, you know? And so, you know, by the time I made that record, I was just more interested in how do you get to the finish line and make, you know, because Bad Religion by that point was my, you know, I, I grew up on Bad Religion and we actually, my Family Crisis, my first band played shows with Bad Religion way back in like 1982 or something. By the time Suffer came out, I'm like, this is the record I want to make. And so I wanted to get those sounds. And so by the time I found Show Off, which was the first band I ever produced, we played the... Um, uh we played this bowling alley in Chicago and they were they were the opening band and it was like I saw them and I'm like, holy shit, these guys are awesome. How can I help? Because their demo sounded terrible. So <laughs> I flew them to you know, I fucking flew them to LA and I'm like, I can make this better. I knew I could make it better. And I got them signed to a record deal. So That was the first band that I said, maybe there is something beyond just touring, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't argue that you've definitely taken that go, go, go punk rock ethos into everything you do. But with Goldfinger as well, I mean, when the band came out, it seemed that... You had so many different influences at that time and were part of so many different scenes. I mean, you kind of were on that wave of ska punk, but then had the kind of darker, grittier alternative movements and playing with those kind of bands and stuff. How, how did you see the rise of Goldfinger? Because it did seem you were kind of like this unique band at the time. You didn't really fit into a certain subgenre, but you were a part of all these different scenes.
0: Look, there's no question that we're a ska punk band, and we started out <laughs> in the ska punk scene. There's no question. I mean, our first tour was with Buck 09. We played t- so many shows with the Skeletons. I mean, I discovered Real Big Fish. I signed Real Big Fish. We were definitely like the third wave we were right there at the precipice of the third wave of ska punk i mean the first concert i ever saw was the beat you know the english beat when i was a kid and it was like the beat the specials madness i mean it was all kind of part of like that kind of early kind of punk rock and ska always went hand in hand and you know operation ivy definitely opened the door for what this thing is but, I mean, for me, it was like, how do I take all my influences, which, I mean, mainly, you know, the police had such a ska. And I think probably the police are my all-time favorite band, you know, if I could really, if I had to choose. Just Stuart Copeland, like, you know, as a drummer and Sting as a songwriter, I just don't know of, of anyone that has influenced me more than them. And they had such a ska thing, like them um you know so I, it was like taking all of it like the specials the beat um the police and then having that that social distortion Buzzcocks, elvis costello side of everything but then you know because i played in a metal band it's like you know i don't know if in how much but there's a song called pictures on the first album that has this jo-jo, jojo jojo like full metallica kind of breakdown in it and and we have a song called smp on the second record that's like uh skiers must perish is the name of the song which is kind of whatever i was a, i was such a snowboarder back then it was like uh you know we always had this kind of metal edge to our music and so I don't know. I mean, in the big picture, if you really analyzed every Goldfinger song, there's definitely more. It's probably punk rock, ska, second, alternative, third, and then probably, you know, probably like hard, something like hard metal alternative fourth. (laughs) You know, it's like if you really put it together that way. um, And I, I think as I get older, I really I, I just finished another Goldfinger album oh, and nice. uh and and it's really I mean it is really ska and reggae. I mean uh-huh. that's what it is. And I, I feel like I get a I get to get that out of me in um in Goldfinger because I I, I it's not like I'm producing a lot of ska bands because <laughs> it's not like you know, it's like you have the interrupters, and, and that's kind of it. It's like you've got one kind of new band that's, that's carrying the flag. I mean, so for me, Goldfinger is that is the avenue I can take to get that out of me because I, I produce punk rock bands, I produce metal bands, I produce alternative bands, but it's like this is how I get it out. So when I write music for Goldfinger, I'm writing pretty much writing ska on purpose, you know?
1: Hmm. Nice. Well, I was going to ask about New Goldfinger. Um, so, uh, I mean, what's the situation now? Is, is the record completely done? Is everything recorded and, and mixed and stuff? Because obviously the last record you released was uh, back in 2017 with, with The Knife, and there's always been questions since that if there was another record in the works or, or not. So what's, uh, what's the situation now?
0: Yeah, I've got to, I've got to finish... Um I've got a a finished album. We're still trying to figure out the title of the album. We're thinking about, we're thinking about don't look back because it's it's a lyric in in one of my favorite songs on the album. So the record is, is mixed. We're mastering it next week. Um, And it is an, it is an interesting thing, you know, because you know uh you think about some of the great you know a lot of the great bands like uh no doubt or the police Mm. or um uh rage against the machine uh they all have the same members throughout their career and we haven't that hasn't been the case for me i've had you know a lot of struggle with uh with old with band members I've, i've just struggled you know kind of um personality wise and like you know how you know charlie the guitar player has been in and out I think four times he's quit (laughs) the band and, and he's in, he's in the band now he's played on this new record. So Charlie and I are the only original members, you know, we have, we have kind of a super group because when, when Kelly, Kelly left uh, to to join Buck Cherry, um, you know, Mike Herrera was my first call because we had played a bunch of shows with MXPX. He's one of my favorite humans on the planet and one of my favorite bass players. And, and he immediately said, "Yeah, I'll fill in. I'll fill in a couple shows." And then our relationship just grew, and now he's the permanent bass player, singer. He's singing a lot on the new Goldfinger record. To be honest, like we're we're splitting up kind of vocal you know, vocal responsibilities, which is amazing. It's like I get to have another singer, and we also, you know, Phil from Story of the Year kind of stepped into to help with harmonies because i never really had anyone that could sing in the band in the beginning of the band no one sang except for me so i had had all these harmonies on the first two three goldfinger records and none of them could sing and we've never played to track like it's just not I mean, I, I end up kind of fucking up and we have to restart songs live <laughs> or, yeah. or like, I just changed my mind. I'll say, let's try and play this one. And I'll say, fuck this. I don't want to play this song anymore. It's like, <laughs> I can see the audiences <laughs> and reacting and you can't do that shit. If you're playing to track, you've got exactly. someone trying to like yeah. catch up to what song you're playing. And so, um, so I knew when, when I had the ability to put it, put my own super group together, like Phil is just an amazing singer guitar player so having him from you know when he when he left story of the year it's like i knew he'd be a perfect fit in the band and you know we've kind of gone back and forth with drummers we had cyrus from newfound glory and and because newfound glory plays so many shows he couldn't be consistent so now we've got my friend nick gross who i have a record label with uh you know big noise we started together the drum you know he's the drummer goldfinger he's just an incredible drummer you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe someday we'll get back with the original lineup and just do like maybe like the, the first record, well, front nice. to back, nice. or something yeah. like that. But that shit ain't happening today. <laughs> yeah, nice. I think, um, yeah, I
2: think we're we're speaking to Phil next week. I think because, um, yeah, my oh great, my, yeah, my old band got to uh, yeah we toured with Story of the Year over year. Um, but yeah, before we get the Story of the Year, um, a question I've always wondered is, oh, well, it's a couple of part question really. Is how did you how did you discover the used and did you realize while working on that record how inspirational that record would be for the rest well for everybody since i guess because it's a massive part of my life i know it's a massive part of the scene i am in i was in and um
0: yeah could you just tell us how how that came about Well, the answer to your second question is yes, uh, for sure. (laughs) I knew. (laughs) I knew. I knew when when we were making that album that it was going to fucking change the world. I I knew it. And and, and, in hindsight, I mean, I guess at the time, I thought the U's were going to really kind of create. I mean, and I guess to a certain extent, they did create um, they, they re sort of reimagined modern rock mm-hmm. radio because, yeah. I mean, without them, My Chemical Romance wouldn't exist. And it's like, I feel, you know, between Taking Back Sunday, um, My Chem, and The Used, I mean, those, you know, Bert discovered. Uh, my Chemical Romance. I mean, he really, you know, Bert. After we signed Bert to Warner Brothers, he discovered, you know, him and uh, Gerard became best friends, and they just, you know, he discovered the band, got them signed. He fucking started their journey, you know. So, I mean, and 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 plus, like, the used m- maybe never became as big as Green Day, but. The thing is, because the used were, were such, like, the fan favorite, I think everyone that looked to Bert that, as the voice of, like, the emotional voice of the whole scene. I mean, if 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 emo is emotional hardcore, I mean, there's no one that speaks that language better than Bert. Nobody. No. I mean, he, he – you know, he – his lyrics are beyond, you know, my, my ability on every level. And he's one of the greatest singers I've I've ever worked with. And I just, I mean, I remember like with the first album, we'd have that trash can next to the microphone (laughs) because he'd scream so hard. And I've worked, you know, I know you know the scene and I've worked with other you know kind of screamo um, emo artists that like they scream with that eh, you know where it's like all right here
2: yeah
0: you know and, and i'm sure you know all all yeah, these yeah. bands that have like that and they just compress and they just hold the mic here and they compress their vocals so hard it just you know jason from the fever is the same way i mean he screams like bert where it just comes it comes from here from the fucking diaphragm and you know, it's like so bert would scream so hard he'd throw up sometimes and it was like we'd have the trash can there and it was just this incredible this incredible thing that uh i'd never experienced before or after it's like the way that he he sings and i think because they never became that big i think even to this day they're they're so relevant because they were such a fan favorite and they were always like you know the the darlings of the scene, you know, and Bert just jumping off the PA at Warp Tour. And it's the whole thing was like legendary. And it's like, because they didn't get so big where they lost who they were, you know, I think that they're still so relevant when I found him, we were on tour in Salt Lake City Goldfinger and, uh, the Brandon, the drummer and Quinn, the guitar player were, were big Goldfinger fans. I mean, Brandon actually has a Goldfinger tattoo on his leg, which is pretty fucking awesome. The nice. space lady, which is <laughs> rad. And he's now the drummer of Rancid, which is full circle because <laughs> God, I, I love Rancid so much. And, uh, and, and they, they were just, they, they kept coming to shows and and their bass player, Jeffa, he was the singer. And then, and I, I kept listening to these demo tapes and I'm like, they don't, they, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then all of a sudden they found Bert and Bert, you know, he, he snuck on Goldfinger's tour bus drunk and he like left a demo cassette and and actually our tour manager had to pick bird up who's you know he's a little guy pick him up and threw him out of the bus (laughs) and uh because he was so drunk and but i listened to i listened to every demo i get even to this day i listen to everything i don't know who you know what i'm because it's like of course you've got these days you've got the voice and america's got talent and you've got all these avenues that people you know instagram and and uh TikTok and all these ways that artists can get discovered, but I still don't know when I'm gonna hear something. My brain is gonna hear something that's gonna be different than Simon Cowell hears it. And I can take that talent and 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 help grow it better than anybody else. And so back then it was like I I discovered a lot of bands on tour. That's how I found Story of the Year as well. But you know, the used I found from being on tour, I listened to that demo tape the next day and I'm like, holy shit, this singer sound I mean, they had The beginning of the taste of ink, the beginning of maybe memories, um, the beginning of a box full of sharp objects. They have these like rough ideas. I think they've released all their early demos at this point. So you can hear them, but it's like, you can hear them then to what kind of we turned them into as a team. I don't know. I I, I just, I, when I was making that album, I just knew that we were going to, you know, because... They had so, I mean, we had every major label trying to sign up. We were flying to New York to do all these meetings. I mean, we had, I don't know, probably nine offers from different record Whoa. labels. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, Leo Cohen who at the time, I think, ran Island Def Jam. I mean, he, was, he started 300. He runs YouTube now. This guy, this legend t- flew a helicopter to Salt Lake City to take them snowboarding. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I, um, I I convinced, you know, the band that Tom Wally was the guy who, I mean, Tom Wally signed Tupac Shakur at an airport. He knew that he had a connecting flight in Burbank. So he waited <laughs> at the airport. Tupac got off the plane and he signed him to a record deal. Wow. I mean, this guy, you know, Tom, Tom had signed the Red Hot Chili Peppers and green day and lincoln park and um he started interscope records this guy was a legend i just knew that he he knew what to do with the used and you know eventually he ended up signing um, my chemical romance as well but it's like so i think they did the right thing in the big picture of all of it and they they had i mean the used had a lot of ups and downs as well like all of us
1: yeah well i I really wanted to dissect your relationship with Bert in particular because I mean we've had him on the podcast in the past and he's talked very open about you know your relationship and everything and he's also said many times that you've really saved his life in in a lot of ways how how do you see your relationship uh, with him and just the the progress over the years because they've always done records where maybe they've gone away worked with another producer but then have come back and and done stuff with you as well
0: I mean, I've always kind of viewed Bert as this kind of, I mean, you know, the soul searching human. It's always questioning. He's questioning government authority, you know, everything. And he's so well read. This guy reads more than anybody I've ever met. I mean, he reads so much. And when I first met him, because I'm, you know, because I don't drink, I'm sober. I, uh, I just, I knew I could help him in ways that maybe someone else couldn't because he was at the, when I met him I mean, he was like a, just a drunk drug addict, like lost kid, like so many artists. It's not like he's got this unique story, but, but he was really like off the deep end. And he, um, you know, he got sober uh, for a while during that first album and we made the record. He wasn't sober in the beginning. He stopped, stopped doing drugs and stopped drinking. We were able to make this fantastic piece of art. That first album is just fucking incredible. And uh, you know, Bert has always, because I'm, I don't know what I am, like 10, 15 years older than him. He just, I think he just kind of looks to me as a guy that's been in a band and I've walked the path of what he has to go through. And I've just done it before him. And I think, the challenging part of my job is knowing the experience that I have in life and knowing what, what works. I know when a band is overthinking and they're going to destroy a song or they're going to destroy a relationship with their record label, I've watched so many bands go through this or I I know when the band, a band leaves me to go work with a different producer at the wrong time. I know, I just know it because of my experience when it's right and when it's not right. Like, um, and so it's really challenging. That's the, probably the hardest part of my job is watching a band about to make a massive mistake in their career and knowing I can't do anything because they don't, they don't respect my experience in life and you can't you can't buy experience you've got to go through it to understand this is the process you know and i'm not saying that bands can't be creative and expand beyond my my life and grow because there's plenty of bands that have grown past working with me i'm I'm just saying that bert has always respected my experience in life and he's taken it to heart And, you know, for the most part, you know, he's gone off the deep end and and started drinking again and gotten weird and all that shit. But when we have heart to heart talks, I mean, we, I mean, he helps me that guy saved my life too. There's no way around it. I mean, without discovering the use, I mean, look, I sold, You know, there was a a part of my life where after Tommy Lee produced the Electric Love Hogs and we had all these bands open for us, toured the world, and then we got dropped. And I had to go back to selling shoes. I had to go back to working at a used clothing store for $5 an hour. So at that point in my life, I'm like, my dad was right. I fucking lost, I failed, you know? And and then I discovered those little bands like messed and show off. And it was like, there was like a hint and, and Goldfinger kind of happened, but you know, I was about to be kind of, I was about to be dropped as an A&R guy from from Maverick when I was working there and then I found the used and it changed everything. It kind of it kind of put me on the map as a producer and without the used, I don't know if I'd be talking to you. I don't know if how my life would have turned out because I've got a career in yeah. music now where Goldfinger, I mean, it's great, but you know, we never became um the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> you know? We did yeah. we did fine and we I think we did we still do okay, but we're not But I think because of the used, I was able to grow a career as a producer, without question.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, With that as well, I mean, one thing I really want to talk about is the kind of connection you have made with bands over the years, working with them, with songwriting, producing, mixing, the whole lot. But if you look at the whole your discography of of bands you've worked with there's a whole generation of music fans who have really been inspired or they've been soundtracked to their lives by these bands like for example I, I'm 24 and you've worked with people like All Time Low Blink-182 Good Charlotte The U's 5 Seconds of Summer I mean the, the list goes on but those bands just as that as a soundtrack to people's growing up older than me everything how do you see over the years your connection with the bands and, and music do, in a way do you still feel that today that even after you've done a record 10 years ago or anything that you still have a, a real connection with the band the songs and this fan base i mean look
0: I, I i in my business and living in los angeles you've got so many producers that are my kind of, um, just my competition or people that I'm, you know, my friends that are you know doing it. And the goal, the goal for most producers in the pop world is to win a Grammy or, you know, you know, platinum, platinum albums. Like, like the idea is to be in the pop in the pop world where you've got like a number one song at pop radio. And, you know, at one point in my life, you know, when I was working with, you know, Hillary Duff and, and Mandy Moore and, um, Ashley Simpson. It was like I, 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 you know, I had this meeting with Clive Davis at his at his Bel Air Hotel bungalow, and it was a three-hour meeting. We just listened to music, and he just talked to me, and he wanted me to be the, um, the main songwriter for American Idol, like the guy that was going to write all the originals well, for no the way. show. I made a decision that that wasn't my – it wasn't my route in life. I mean, all the groups that I kind of grew up on and the stuff that really spoke to me, it wasn't – I mean, Michael Jackson never spoke to me as a kid. I never really like said, that's the kind of music I'm going to live and die for. You know, it was like Henry Rollins from Black Flag. I mean, that guy spoke to me and I I just, you know, and and so I've always kind of put myself in the position that I'm, maybe I'm the underdog in the big picture of like Grammys and top 40 singles, but like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Like, being the guy that is always maybe just a you know, maybe has a little bit more edge that I can't quite get it to pop radio because it's, it's too edgy, but, When I listen to music, it's still like, you know, the replacements were one of my bands, you know, Paul Westerberg is my favorite lyricist. They never really became, they never became Tom Petty. And, uh, and that's okay. I, they still influenced me more than Tom Petty did. So why can't I be that guy? And I, and I think about like, I was writing with this guy, little Aaron, he's a great top liner. We were working with this kid named Mason last week and he's got, um, thps tattoo for tony hawk pros he's got the (laughs) tattoo just a handmade tattoo on his arm and i'm like those moments where like i know how important superman was for that whole for the lineage of tony hawk pro skater you know that i was part of that and and look does um do my mom's friends know that song or do my kids (laughs) friends my 12 year old know that song no but i know that there's a fucking army an army of people that fucking know that song and live and die for that soundtrack. And, and of course, look, look, all the, you know, some groups have become bigger than others, but still it's like, I'm so proud of future hearts. The record I made with all time low. I mean, I feel like, you know, that, that record really like if, I think if even all-time low fans could really judge their albums, it's going to be one of the top two, top three favorite albums that they have. It's like, and I know how important I was making that album. And it's like, for me working, even like with the Fever who, I mean, the Fever, are not, <laughs> they're never going to compete with like fucking Justin Bieber. Because it's <laughs> like, Jason is just, he's fucking so gnarly but I know that their fans will live and die. I know when they, when people get the three, three, three tattoo, who, I mean, there's thousands of people with that three, three, three tattoo out there. Like they're never going to have to worry that the fever are going to become some cheesy band because they are who they are. They're this political, angry, um, aggressive band. And it's like, they should, they sh- you should never be ashamed of getting your favorite bands tattooed because they're going to turn into something eventually that you hate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, completely. Absolutely, completely.
2: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, about five years ago, I was, um, when I was still in my old band called The Blackout, I saw somebody who who literally had a tattoo of me on their arm. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I wonder if he could have had a laser off by now. Surely he's had a cover up by now. Something must have happened to that. But, yeah, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's bonkers. But, um, yeah, well, you mentioned uh, Grammys, but you did get nominated for, uh, Fever three three three, right? For best rock performance,
0: in made in America, made in America. Yeah, I've been I've been nominated twice, and, and it's like I guess to say because the California the blank California record I made, and, hmm. and then this Fever the best live best rock performance. You know, it's like I don't know who gives it who who gives a better rock performance than Jason. I mean, he's like that guy gives. Ever, I don't know if you've ever seen Let Live or yeah, yeah, we, we yeah we toured
2: together a couple of times, yeah. Um, you you tour yeah. with with Let Live? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was
0: he putting putting the trash cans over his (laughs) head? Yeah,
2: yeah. it was kind of a. It ended up being a kind of a competition of who could be the craziest front man every night. So like he would go on before and then wear the bin and run about, and then I'd be trying to dent myself as much as I could, and it just became yeah. And he had like blonde hair at the time of the record, and I had like a big long blonde fringe. Um, And then by the end of the tour, I had to dye my hair blue because he had the blonde fringe and then by the end of the two, he dyed his hair blue as well just to take like the piss out of me as well um <laughs> but what a fucking guy yeah what a guy um what a sweet dart literally after about after about two days i knew i knew that i loved him as a person
0: yeah he is uh he is a lovable lovable man and uh I, I used to do that shit too the fucking head thing and yeah. i just i actually just posted a picture with um, me and Neville Staples from the from the uh, specials. He came out and sang with us and I can see on, on my forehead, there's a huge gash oh. from where the microphone hit. And it's like, uh, it's just interesting. Like when you're on stage, you do things like, you and I are never going to do that. Like right now, I'm not going to grab this bottle and just start <laughs> smashing, <laughs> smashing my head. <laughs> but like on stage, you're just, it's a whole different thing. You get this yeah. like, this adrenaline and you just become this whole different fucking character. It's weird how that happens, but, um, uh, but yeah, fuck, what were we talking about?
2: Uh, fever, but it's all, it's all good. Um, (laughs) yeah, another band I wanted to uh, briefly talk about is, um, a band I discovered on was it Soundwave? Yeah, I think it was Soundwave in 2012, I think, which was Foxy Shazam, the front man, Eric, is another one of my favorite front men of all time. Have you ever seen him doing the cigarette eating trick that he does live? Unbelievable. I
0: think I saw, I, I think I've seen him, I think I saw him four, maybe four or five times before I signed him. Uh, and, and, and it was a tough, that was a really tough signing because Tom Wally didn't quite get it at first because his band, I mean, look, Eric is. Um, I don't know. I don't know who puts on a better show than Eric. I mean, it's like Jason's like Jason's energy is incredible, but Eric's is such a weirdo. It's like, you can't not watch him, but he never besides sky. I mean, sky, the, um, the keyboard player was put on a great show, but everyone else in the band were kind of, I don't know. And Tom, Tom never quite understood why if Eric was going to be like the new, like he always compared him to Bruce Springsteen, like Eric being this like incredible, um, just prolific writer, why the band wasn't as good as him. He never quite understood why he didn't have, you know, the E Street band behind him. God, that was such a, it was such an uphill battle all the time with those guys. Cause they were, they were one of those bands that like um, unlike Burt, they, they, they really didn't want my experience, which is fine. It's not like, I mean, they hired, you know, ultimately they hired me as a producer. They, they chose to use me as an A&R guy. And I think we made, I mean, that self-titled album is still like one of my favorite records I've ever done. So don't get me wrong, but it's like, they made such strange choices after they left, after they left me. And I think Justin made a pretty good record from the darkness. I mean, that, um, that, that record is pretty good, but the one after that is one that got him dropped. And it's like, um, it was tough because I knew that Eric, if, if enough people could see Eric and look Macklemore felt the same way, put him in the video, of course, for me there, there was, he would say the story about his kid live or he would talk about something heartfelt. And then immediately he'd switch and make a joke about it. And you're like, I never really felt like I could connect in my soul when everything was kind of funny, you know? Um, and as great as he was eating cigarettes and crab walking across the stage and all the shit that he did, it was like, you need to feel something in your heart with the music. And that's why I think like that song, um, Oh Lord, uh, really, I think it's probably their biggest song they still have to this day was like about his, about his kids. Like that is what uh, connected the audience with the band. I don't know. You can't really have all of it. You can't be the craziest front man and the funniest person and the most heartfelt and write the biggest hooks. Like you kind of got to like, what are you doing? I mean, what are you really doing? are you a musician are you a comedian like um are you a magician i don't you know i don't know <laughs> that is true.
2: he did yeah, make those cigarettes yeah. disappear that was very magic of him
1: um. yeah. but on that train of thought as well i mean with all the bands you've worked with over the years which one would you say has like surprised you the most or you just thought had a bag of creativity that you didn't expect going into a writing session or the studio with
0: god that's a great question and um i mean every every artist that i that i've worked with have have kind of come out and i mean it's like i'm working with all all, all these bands like that you haven't heard yet like the rest of youth and this kid mason and it's like i i i the, i guess the pro the, the the curse and the blessing that i have is i have a memory that works in the moment okay. like i i like i, I write in i write in the moment and i I have a really hard time remembering like i could never be in a covers band i was thinking about this yesterday (laughs) how many people like play covers and it's like i can play goldfinger songs because i i I guess i've played them i mean so many times it's ingrained in my in my brain but my memory like really really sucks when it comes to um like uh i don't know like I, i i like I said, the police are my all time favorite band, but I mean, I don't know, like Andy black is like, he brings something to the table. Like I'll come up with a melody and like an idea of a concept and he'll switch it into this like dark Gothic, like comic book version where it's like, it always shocks me, you know, um, of what he, how he kind of like morphs ideas into this thing that's uniquely him you know um i mean bert will walk away from uh any song that we kind of start and he'll turn it into this poem that didn't exist and it'll have like an interlude this part of the song that's like holy shit, that didn't even that didn't even exist and and look um we'll write like you know hoppus and i'll write a melody and like a guitar and a bass part and then all of a sudden like travis comes in and it becomes this halftime thing (laughs) where in my mind it was like this full-time punk kind of groove or like and he'll make it a completely different song so i guess i mean i mean all artists i work with at some point in the creative album making um process you know all there's a moment i'm always surprised but i want to say travis is probably number one the way that he the way that he morphs things in a different direction like i was just writing with michael clifford and we have this kind of it's really like it's like a tame impala somber idea and travis just came in and laid in this like coachella four on the floor <laughs> beat and i'm like holy shit man like it just totally changed the song so yeah that's the answer awesome
1: incredible incredible and um john with all that as well uh we've talked and kind of mentioned that we've had loads of the bands who've worked with you on in the past but one thing they always bring up and i know you've kind of got this like reputation for it now but is your love of coffee um i i've got to ask how did all that start because it's kind of become a so meme in many ways
0: i know dude there's a um <laughs> You know, when I was kind of in between careers and like I talked about, like thinking, am I going to have to, I mean, there was one point where I was like, an ele- I was an electrician. A friend of mine was an electrician. And I was like, we had to go to South Central LA and we had to cry, you know, he would make me do all the grunt work. So I was crawling underneath apartment complexes, pulling wire, g- getting shocked with all these dead cats. And it was like, mm-hmm. fuck, am I going to, am I going to have to go back to being a fucking whatever? Like, you know, at one point and I was like hit by this massive depression i was like holy fuck man how am i gonna you know support my kids blah 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 and um and i talked to this mentor of mine and he said i don't care how you feel when you wake up in the morning just go outside and say i love my life as loud as you can and i'm like fuck i'm not i'm not gonna do that that's (laughs) fucking stupid a and b like it's not gonna work because i'm miserable i'm like i'm just miserable and then eventually like I got um what did my friends say? It's always darkest right before it turns pitch black. <laughs> you know, I'm like, and uh and so um I went outside and I and, and I was uh and I and I was in my own backyard. I'm like, Well, oh, I love my wife, you know, and uh this kid I was I was interviewing to intern for me showed up a half hour early. My wife let him in. So he was standing right next to me and he's like I love my life too. Cause I didn't, I didn't know he was there. You know, he's, I no idea. And, uh, you know, it's like these, these little things people have kind of guided me and like, I guess in the big picture of coffee, like, and I say, I love my life out loud, whether I'm homicidal or suicidal, I say it anyway. I just, I try and trick myself. Like I said earlier, like the second that negativity creeps in, like I have to get moving. And coffee is just part of my thing. And look, I'm a, I'm an addict by nature. I'm a workaholic. And like I said, I, I mean, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a fucking drug addict, all that shit. Anything that feels good, I'm going to do it until it doesn't feel good anymore. Like I'll fucking jack off till I'm dehydrated, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> till uh, it just comes out this powder. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's like, yeah exactly And um and so coffee like i've, I've got my my coffee machine right here nice. um, i don't know if you can see it yeah it's like it's built in the wall and so i just i've already made my i've got my double shot already kicking in my system but i i just feel like um you know a lot of times when you're writing music if you're in that zone where you're just you have a guitar and i'm in front of the computer and i'm just going for an idea I have a 10 minute rule. If it doesn't come in 10 minutes, we move on to something else. Maybe I'll move on to the bridge or to the second verse and I'll come back to it because forcing an idea most of the, of the time, it just, it just feels forced. And it, when, when you listen to it, if I, if I can make myself cry writing a song, I know the world can cry. If I can make myself laugh or feel angry or feel the passion, I know the world can feel that. But if I'm feeling like this is fucking terrible and I'm looking at rhyme zone and I'm like trying to find the words, it's like it never really connects with other people. And so the the idea of coffee of leaving the area, coming and making a coffee and stepping away from the song is so important to be able to like, restart the brain and then go back in and then you've got like a different perspective, you know? And plus it's like, I I get up at six and most of the people I work with wake up at like one in the afternoon. (laughs) And so for me, it's like, how do I compete? You know, how do I compete with these kids? And so coffee is like, I mean, I'm just, I'm an addict
2: nice i think um yeah there's been like 90 odd episodes and i think that's the first time that the um lyricist's best friend rhyme zone has been mentioned <laughs> on the podcast um yeah i don't think a lot of people listen to this know how many times uh singers have gone to rhyme zone just looking for words unbelievable i know oh, it's unbelievable Aww. um
1: And just a couple of very more quick things, uh, John, because I know you've got such a busy schedule as always, but we're dying to know, you've mentioned having bins in the studio, There's very famous story of you recording a bike sound for bits in the past and stuff like that, but what's the most weird or unique recording technique you have done in your time?
0: Um God, we have done so many weird things. I mean, I think we had it I think we did uh I think I cut up a uh like a, a vibrator, like a dildo. I think I put a mic up against the dildo, <laughs> record the vibrations and cut cut it up as a loop. I mean, that's probably the weirdest wow. thing I did. But yeah. I mean, you know, when we were making the <laughs> yeah. yeah so
2: i cry in. i'm sorry i'm could, sorry carry on
0: yeah it could be the weirdest thing i've ever fucking done but uh i mean back and making the used first album and we i remember it's two in the morning and it, i think we have it on videotape and we had we just took all this all like plates and and bowls and and pans, you know frying pans and and silverware and just you know, had Bert in a, on a microphone and just started throwing shit at Bert to get him to scream harder. And, and uh, it was, I think it was green greener with the scenery. We did that. And I think we filmed it and it's like, uh, yeah, we just have him screaming and just the whole band and me throwing shit at him to get him to like really get motivated. You know, and my, my wife was trying to sleep in the other room. and She's going, what the fuck? This guy's screaming. We had a little, a little, really little house back then. And it's like, uh, that was weird. i mean i've recorded shit underwater i've done um <laughs> I, I mean the, the foxy the foxy shazam record we we found all these different you know um he, we had him stand on the uh cabinet in my bedroom and i had the microphone on the bed and i had him you know sing and then jump onto the bed singing uh just to get <laughs> like uh, the idea of the energy the energy of the live show so we've awesome. done all sorts of shit i don't yeah, it's funny. Like nowadays, like artists don't have the um I was working with this this new artist that's got a huge song on Spotify. It went viral through TikTok and through Fortnite video. And it's like we were talking about like what what are your goals? He's like, I want a number one record because then I then my manager promised he's gonna skydive with me. And I'm like, in my mind my goals were always to have people sing back the lyrics that i've written that was always the goal the live show and obviously to get girls you know i met my wife you know because we toured so it's like you know a get girls b have them sing along back to you and he's never this kid has never played a live show and he just doesn't have a desire to perform like that's just and a lot of kids that's not what they want to do anymore it's just really different than it used to be. And that's okay. It's like, I, I'm not, I'm not saying one way is right or wrong. I'm just saying for me, my goal is to still, how can I imagine playing the Reading Festival and everyone just jumping? Like what, what can I do to make that yep. happen? You know?
1: Nice. Nice. And, uh, and, and finally, what else can we expect from the John Feldman camp coming up? You're working on so many records, You've got your own podcast, more new Goldfinger, but anything else we can expect? I've written, I've written this
0: musical called Castle Hill that, uh, that I, I just finished the trailer on it. So it's like we've got like this um, movie trailer that we're going to start pitching to uh, production companies and to um, movie studios. So that's like, I've always had a dream. You know, my father only let us listen to musicals when I was a kid, which is um, definitely why I became an alcoholic for sure. So <laughs> it's like, I, just, <laughs> I just think... I think but in the end, um, part of that history of listening to the music man and sound of music and all that stuff, is like, uh, it's, it's ingrained in me. And so I've got this kind of punk rock musical idea that that's really what I want to focus on the
1: next couple of years. Nice. Amazing. Well, nice. Looking, forward, awesome. looking forward looking to, forward to hearing more information about that when it's, when it's out, but, um, yeah, this has been such a wonderful chat. Thank you so much, John, for taking time out. Um, I think those people are really going to enjoy some of these madman stories.
2: I know I have. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so, so much.
0: All right, later, guys. To Podcast. Yes! Quality.
2: Quality. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. What a fantastic chat. Thank you again to John Feldman. Thank you very much to his assistant. Who you had to deal with prior to this?
1: Hmm. He was um, he was lovely person. I don't know what tone you were you were giving towards him there. Lovely. I had a oh great, no, 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 I had no, no, a great no, no, chat no, no, with no. him. <laughs> this
0: is how we get in trouble. This is how we
2: never get guests again. <laughs> no, it's a joke. no, there was no tone.
1: No, I know. No, I know. I'm only messing. But his assistant was lovely. I had a brilliant conversation with him. He had a new puppy as well, so we were talking about that for a bit and helped us set all this up. So thank you again. This chat with John was amazing. Um, It's such a musical mind. Literally when you just think of all those bands he's able to work with and the impact he's had on so many people without maybe a lot of them even knowing is just incredible um so yes thank you again to john as i said earlier goldfinger now have a brand new single out called Warflower, and as you heard in that conversation a new album is all ready to go with this super saiyan lineup that more details will come very very soon so make sure you keep up to date with everything with that on john feldman's website and goldfinger's social media pages but um quick question sean um, I should have asked this I should have asked him this but ever since I'm glad I didn't how the hell do you record stuff underwater because when he said that I was like I was just I was blown so blown I no away idea. I didn't even I think I no like, idea how would you that just doesn't make sense
2: no I got no idea I remember I saw a video of him recording Bert from the Used for the first record and I was blown away because they were doing it in like an underpass right um, over a road and uh, and he had like his laptop with him and an SM7, which is a, the long black mic you see a lot of singers using. Um, yeah, just out and about. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that or even thought, I was like, oh, that's mad. You can just go out and record. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, some of his recording techniques are absolutely bonkers. So yeah, thanks to John for all the Goldfinger. Open Your Eyes is one of my favourite songs. Thank you very much to John for producing the bands that literally created the scene that I was lucky enough to be part of and kind of still am part of so um, yeah all round we're not worthy me and you are Wayne and Garth which is now I've just realised our Halloween costume idea <sighs> yeah yeah, we've just missed that though because bloody corona but again thank you very much to John I thank him too much
1: Yes. <laughs> but when you just think like you discovered the used and then that impact f- from that moment is is just phenomenal. But if you're a first time listener to Sapling Podcast and you're thinking, oh, these guys get some pretty nice conversations out of their guests. I'd like to hear a bit more. Well, funny enough. Bert from the Use is a previous guest at Sapman Podcast. And as you probably heard us mention quite a few times, we've had a whole host of the bands he's worked with recently. So go and check out all our previous episodes, share it with your friends, click subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and just put it in your Instagram stories to get the word out. It's a great first celebration to end the double-digit era of the podcast. Wow. Episode wow. 100 is next week. And that is too many digits for my head to even think about that. We've what, got three. that, yeah, three well, digits, we, yeah, because we've gotten that far. We've gotten to the point well, yeah, where we're ages, now three digits. Yeah, but
2: for ages, yeah, but for ages, the first number is going to be one. So it's not that. Is you've just got to remember two other numbers, have not you? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 but. It's a it's a big it's a big landmark, Sean, and we should celebrate that because we've got... also
2: John John Feldman gets a mention in uh, episode hundred as well. Oh, I believe.
1: Don't 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 say anything. I'm an- hundred and
2: one. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. So unbelievable, but yeah, yes. What an episode! We enjoyed it very much. But also, this episode would not be. Um, would not be available if it wasn't for some of the beautiful people who were part of our Patreon community.
1: That is correct.
2: So if you've enjoyed any of these 99 episodes, or technically enjoyed because we did a bonus one as well, um, please, if you can, you don't have to, obviously, please think about going to patreon.com forward slash sapnin and supporting your homies, us. Um, Yeah, so patreon.com forward slash happening. We appreciate all of the people involved so far and anyone who has been involved, who's no longer involved. We also appreciate you.
1: That's true. Even the littlest of... Tears goes a long long way and helps us with so much things and we love every single person in that group but just to say as well um it's probably the best time for you to join because we're going to be putting up a load of extra material on our patreon page and we're even doing a virtual meetup to celebrate our 100th episode the day after it is and having a, a massive kind of party for the whole day online. So if you need some new friends, your old ones are just boring as fuck. Why Sound not? Like losers. Go to patreon.com force us happening, join the group, have some more laughs with us and meet your new best friends. The 99% of them, ah uh, good, I did not even mean that, but that fit it in. Uh, They're d- uh, super tidy. Yes they are.
2: Yes they are. Um and we love them all very very much.
1: So go and give us a follow at Pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, Sean, how would you spell that?
2: At S-A-W-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. At S-A-W-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D.
1: Give us a follow, send us some messages, like all our stuff. But before we go any further, we need to say the biggest shout out to everyone involved in our Patreon. If you head to the description of this episode, we thank... So many incredible names, but we need to give a mahusive, gigantic, special shout out to the elite members of our Patreon community. They've probably changed their names to some funny stuff to wind Sean up and you're about to hear all of that happen now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
2: Thank you very much to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwaway, Mitch Perry, Samantha Spray. Sarah's written something in Korean, I think that is. I don't know what it is. Um, so, yeah, I can't even begin to pronounce it. Uh, thank you very much to Emma Barber. Janelle, I don't know what you're talking about. Caston, Amadine Urbano, Kelly Young, Dilly, Everything is Completely Normal, Grimwood. Nathan Crawshaw, Paul probably crying about while she sleeps by the time this comes out to Ishfield. Oh, I wonder what's I wonder what's happened. I wonder what's happening. Oh, anyway, um, thank you very much to Drew. Make me feel like a natural woman. Styles, <laughs> Liam Conley, Kelly Owen, Michael Engler, Ohio is for Emo Chester, Tom Owen, Amy Campion, Johnny Phillips, Kate Gentleman, Preferred Ginger's Patak, Scott Jones, Simon Amos, Jody Shannon, Ollie, Nothing to See Here, Amesbury, Kate Stevenson, Samuel Griffiths. Jenny, sexy boy, Munster, Dana Lasnova, Lucy Diaz, Martina McManus, Emily Senegals, Kevin Clark, Erin Auer, John and Emma, Becky Andy, Kelly, move along now, Mallory, Louis Cook, Nula Clark, Jason, nothing's happening, you, here, Heredia, Mike Cunningham, Marcy Jacobson, thank you very much to Craig Harris, Sandra Kuwacek, James McNaught, Livy Cropper, Charles, Kelly Emma Cannon, Tallulah Grant, Tony Michael, Sharif Awadali, Stuart McNaught, Jenny Robinson, and Lydia Henderson. Thank you very much, you beautiful bastards.
1: Yes, you are the sugar in our tea. We can't go out a day without you. I I don't know. But I have an announcement to make sure. I have a special, <laughs> I have a special announcement <laughs> to make. I'm
2: glad you give up on that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> go on, bro. Get, get, get our special announcement. Go right. on. Well,
1: go. basically... As regular listeners will know, you do these names at the end of every episode. But if we go back to episode fifty with Thrice, you made me do it because, you know, five oh. So I guess it's only fair for a hundred next week.
2: So, everybody listening I to this, read. shut up, you. It's Sean's <laughs> time to talk. Everybody listening to this, join the Patreon, right? And just change your name to the most difficult thing you think Morgan can say, please. Because I have had fucking 98 of these bastard things to say, and some of them have been tongue twisters, some of them are even in foreign languages. I need revenge. Let's bring Morgan down. Come back with loads of tongue twisters and R's and S's and SH's. Come on, let's get him to look like a fool, please. All I ask
1: is do not get me cancelled, because that would not be nice. Um, but you could either be very, very nice and just say congratulations for reaching 100 episodes. Morgan, you're our favourite. You know, Just the nice things, or you can run wild with it. Lies. Y- yeah Lies like Yeah they, they could. could lie they, they could lie To make me feel better I wouldn't mind that yeah. But if you want to run away oh, with I it Oh I Tell him he's handsome oh. <laughs> oh wow Meow Anyway
2: Are we uh- <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else patreon.com patreon.com thank you very much at and in Pod on Twitter and Instagram Morgan wants to say something I can see him pointing
1: in um, any news of Raiders your band Raiders Band UK if anyone has not oh, listened yet yeah. we've got yet. a
2: song called I Still Function out um, check it out we've got a song called Destructobot and a song called Wasted Away Out um, check them out please share them if you like them they're massive um, Destruct- in Russia Uh, we're doing well in russia apparently which is very very strange and worrying so um vladimir if you're listening to this um you're a good guy you seem all right i don't know what everybody else is on about anyway gotta go something something i wish i knew some russian now all listening to Sablin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else to do with podcasts. Um, Thank you very much.